Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that I'm, you're here with me today because I have my most amazing guest, Maria Elizabeth. Thank you so much for being with us here today. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Peeps, you are in for a treat. So, Liz, Maria Elizabeth, give us the 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you'd love to do. Well, I call myself a relationship alchemist, which means that I help people alchemize what stands in the way of having a great relationship. So it's a combination of letting go what's in the way of having all the love and connection you want, and also building the skills to be able to actively invite and sustain the love and connection you want. Awesome. And so how did you get into all of that? Well, relationships have been my biggest challenge. So I've been super clear with my work since my early 20s. And even as I've changed what I've done over the years, it's been very connected to a deep intuitive sense of, oh, this is what I'm meant to be doing. I did massage. I have a master's in Chinese medicine. I worked with clients around Chinese medicine. When I began to burn out on patient care, I became a writer for 10 years. I, I went inward. I got an MFA in poetry. I wrote poetry. And then when my own marriage began to end, and that eventually ended in 2012, I realized, oh, you know, I've had this clarity and this flow in this one area of my life. And why are relationships so much harder? And so I put myself into a deep dive and a deep study of relationship. And through that multi-year process of figuring out what makes me tick, what makes us tick, why are relationships so challenging? How do we make them better? It reawakened my love of working with clients. And I began working with clients again in 2014. Nice. I love that. So who do you love to work with? I love to work with growth-oriented women who have the kind of clarity I'm talking about, the kind of, you know, love and passion and success, say, for their work, their creative life, whatever it is, but haven't quite hacked how to do it so well in relationships. So, you know, they, they understand that life is a process of growth that we're here to learn and, and expand our capacity to be amazing in all the areas of life. And relationship is just something that's been more impacted and hasn't come as easily. And I love helping people figure out and translate the skills they have in one domain into this other domain because they don't, it's not a, they don't go straight across. Like you might be a bomb CEO in your business, but come home and try to be a CEO at home and it may not work that great. So it's <laughs> about learning how to, I know what, how can that be? Uh, so it's, it, to me, it's about really learning how to be more agile between the different aspects of ourselves and recognizing that I, I like to say a great relationship starts with you. So recognizing that that's the case that's who I love to work with. Like a great relate, someone who understands a great relationship starts with you. You're the one who can do something about it. And you actually can learn to invite and have the juiciest, most love-filled and supportive relationship that you've ever had. Nice. Love that. So why would 
Why, in your opinion, does somebody um, excel in one area, like let's take CEO, and then in the relationship, it, it is bomb. And it probably is because they're treating their family like they're the CEO and they're your employees, but let's not go on that assumption. It might be that. Yeah, I, you know, one of the biggest challenges is this tendency to get frozen in a certain role or a certain identity. So the more that we can cultivate flexibility, and this is somebody I something I learned growing up between three cultures, which is I think why it's such a priority for me, is I didn't grow up with the luxury to think there's just one way to do stuff, you know, because I grew up in one culture. I grew up in three cultures. So at, you know, everywhere I went, people were doing things differently, different languages. I spoke three languages by the age of three. So it created a kind of attunement to flexibility to noticing to paying attention and calibrating to different situations and i think sometimes those of us who especially who are leaders in our businesses and in our lives we can sometimes forget the importance of calibration and i'm not talking about chameleoning i'm not trying talking about not being yourself to fit in at all i did that for many years and i no longer do that been down that road does not work don't do that. What I'm talking about is expanding into more of yourself. And if you are frozen in this tiny slice of you that's the CEO, and you don't know how to receive, say, you don't know how to sit back and let somebody give to you, you know, in a, in a juicy and delicious way, if that's hard for you, it's simply a muscle that needs to be exercised to learn how to have more capacity to fill out more of yourself, not cut parts of yourself off because you're so wedded to the one thing you think is successful. Very cool. So when it comes to identity, what do you think most women have an issue with in being able to kind of step into the relationship? Well, if it's a woman who loves to be a leader, there might be a fear of subservience, right? A fear of, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be a wife. I need a wife. I've heard myself say this. I need a wife. I don't want to be a wife. I need a wife. Right. And, and so that's a product of growing up in a culture that values production over connection. That's how I like to call it. I actually don't do a ton of masculine feminine language only because I do work with queer folks. I do it. That kind of language gets very confused with gender mm -hmm. and people of any gender have all the flavors inside of them. So I really prefer to talk about production and connection or doing and being. And I think growing up, those of us who grew up in the West in a culture that heavily privileges production and doing mm -hmm. over what we call the soft skills. You know, even that is kind of a diss, which pisses me off because it's a lot less, it's not that soft people to actually learn how to be receptive. It's a deep skill to learn how to be in the, in the truth of yourself without wavering is it is an intense skill to learn so i just think it's 
underdeveloped for many of us. We've, we've just so privileged doing and production that we just have this atrophied relationship to beingness and to receptivity and to flow that's not hinged on doing, right? And so it's to me about learning how to strengthen this muscle that we just haven't gotten a chance to really exercise in, in this culture. Nice. So can you give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients? You bet. So I had a client uh, who her 28-year marriage was uh, on the rocks. Her husband was actively threatening divorce. And in her case, it was more of a sense of she had she had she had really oriented to trying to please him. So she was super boss at work but at home she had kind of morphed into trying to please him and there was a way that he wasn't really respectful of her and over the span of our work together we did end up working a year we worked six months and then actually continued for six more months and then um she really grew a backbone she began to ask more clearly for what she wanted she uh she, it, it's not like she stopped taking his flack in the sense of being aggressive with it. She just began to let it slide. She stopped reacting and he kept poking at her, trying to get the rise because he kind of got off on, on the rise he would get out of her, mm -hmm. on provoking her. He got off on that. So she just took that away. And, uh, and he kept stabbing in the dark, right? And just kept trying to hook into her in the same way. But over time, as that hook no longer existed and she was clear about what she wanted and she would say no to stuff she didn't want to do, he began to spontaneously compliment her. He began to offer to cook dinner. He began to clean up sometimes, like without her asking him to, what? what? And, <laughs> and, you know, it, 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 it changed their dynamic and uh, it saved their marriage. Nice. I love that. So how do you think people go about, or what's one of the ways that people can go about identifying what that thing is? Because I've, I've looked at a lot of uh, relationship coaching things, if you will. And it's like, just do the opposite of what you would normally do. And you'll probably find what that thing is. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not a huge advocate of that because that can <laughs> backfire a whole lot. Oh, yeah. So, so somebody's going about kind of their thing and they're like, okay, clearly this isn't working. Clearly I am you know, feeding into this behavior somehow. I, I want to quit doing what I'm doing, but how do they identify what that thing might be? The first piece is to really uh, come back to feeling what you're feeling in your body. And notice, I think it all starts with nervous system regulation. Like, am I allowed to curse? Can I say it? <laughs> no. uh, so it's hard to be nice in your relationship, and I don't mean fake nice, I mean real nice. It's hard to be truly kind in your relationship when your nervous system is jacked, when, when you are in fight or flight or you know freeze or fawn or any of those reactions. When you are at your wit's end, you're going to lash out, you're going to take things personally, you're going to be reactive. So step one is to actually feel what you're feeling and do what you need to do to get your nervous system to a place 
where you have more space. You ever notice that when you when you're calm, let's say you've had a nice weekend and you're kind of chill, and your and your spouse does something dumb, you know it doesn't really bother you so much. You're like, oh, there there they are doing their that dumb thing, right? But when you're stressed out because you're on a launch and you're in da, 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 and you have zero bandwidth and they do that dumb thing, it's like, Wah! you know, you lose your cool, right? So. Job one is to get in touch with your what you're feeling and tend to yourself first, even if that means you have to pause a conversation that you're in and say, hey, I'm activated right now. I'm going to say something I'm going to regret. <laughs> I need to take a time out and I'll be back. Right now you include the I'll be back part because maybe your spouse has charge on feeling abandoned or something like that. And you don't want to activate that. But you want to be super self-responsible. You know what? I'm about to say something I don't want to say. So let me go take a time out. I'll be back. And on your time out, that's not when you rehash how dumb you think they are. It's when you do something for yourself. <laughs> I know it's so unfair. What? It really yeah, is. <laughs> it sucks. You, you know, it's when you actually do something for your nervous system. Now, what does that look like? It could look like box breathing, which means inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four hold for four. That act of counting your breath through all four cycles, within about three or four cycles of it, will start to bring your system down. Another thing you could do would be if you're super angry in the moment, you could put on some music and dance, dance just rage it out, and then see if that like release the energy from your system. You could take a salt bath if that's something, you know, you could drink a cup of tea, you could take a walk or a run, anything to shift your energy out of the state that it's in and put the problem down, like actually take your mind off the problem. Then you can come back to the conversation in a more resourced place and things will likely go very differently. Now I have a lot of other things to suggest, but that's one, you asked me what's the first thing. <laughs> I think that's the first thing. Like before you even open your mouth and try to say something different, is mm -hmm. is befriend your nervous system and be intend to yourself. Nice, I love that. And and to me, it it brings back this. It's so important to be looking after me <laughs> first in all of those situations than it is to, to be taking care of necessarily somebody else, but to not abandon them. <laughs> say, right. don't, don't try and hit their pain points on your way out. It's like, exactly, right? It's out. so tempting. <laughs> oh, it's so hard not to do that. But you know, if you want, it all depends on your goal. If your goal is to win and at all costs, right? And be right. Yeah, then go ahead. But if your goal is to have a loving and connected relationship where you feel like you're on the same team and you can be truly open and real with one another and you have enough bandwidth to play, even in conflict, like my partner and I are very playful, even when we're beefing with each other. And the, you, that, you have to cultivate that. That doesn't just happen. And that means that pot shot you're taking, tempted to take when you're on your way out the door. Maybe you don't take that. Maybe you, you hold that one back because you recognize, oh, that's my stuff. Like, that's me just trying to annihilate 
the, the competition here. <laughs> exactly. So, and usually when you're dealing with CEO women, I would think that a lot of the vernacular is going to be the same at home for them as it is at the office. And part of it is learning a whole new vernacular and they, you know, reacting, responding. You had said something that I found was hilarious. And I'm like, oh man, I wanted to go back to that one. Um, but let's work on on this whole idea of having fun while you're in Discord, because I think that one is um, probably one of the fastest, easiest ways to get out of Discord, but it can also get you in a lot of trouble if you do it wrong. So, so true. Yeah, so uh, we've developed a kind of shorthand, for example, just, just this past weekend, I'll give you a real life example. I was stressed out. I've come home from a trip and nothing to do with him, right? And I and I was looking for a pillow that I knew, knew was in my office closet because that's where it lives. And it has a great pillowcase and it's a certain pillow that I use for certain relaxation things. Well, it wasn't there. And I also knew that while I was out of town, somebody stayed at our apartment, like, you know, a house guest passed through. So my mind being what it is, especially when I'm stressed out, immediately went to, oh, he took my pillow, she used it and I didn't put it back. You know, I just went there. And, and so I was like, where's my great pillow? And, and he obligingly went and looked for it. He couldn't find it anywhere. And, and then I remembered where it was, <laughs> which Man. is, uh, I had put it in this other place, you know, several months ago and forgot about it. And so I said, oh, did you look at this other place? I think it might be there. And he, and he said, oh, look at that. Immediately blaming the Patrick. And <laughs> You know, all along the thing was somewhere else. Here I, you know, and and he just kind of, but we've developed so much play that he could go, oh, maybe it's time to apologize for immediately thinking Patrick did the thing that you did three months ago. Uh, you know, we've developed a kind of play where he can do that. He can, he can, I we, you know, I call it sort of like giving a bid or making a bid. He makes his bid for play in the middle of an upset and and I will usually take the bid. And sometimes I'll make the bid too, but but often it's him making the bid. And I'm like, yes, you're right. It's time for me to apologize for blaming the Patrick, you know, and, and we just have just a funny thing and then it's gone. Now, in order for that to work though, the person making the bid has to have enough bandwidth to have not gotten triggered by the accusation, right? Because <laughs> right. so, when Patrick gets triggered by something I'm blaming him for, which doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, if he's already stressed out in some way, he will often go straight to defensiveness, right? He'll take the bait and it'll go straight to defensiveness and then we're off and running. So it, it's, it's kind of an advanced play for the partner who's on the receiving end of whatever the upset is, not to take the bait and to, to respond with play. And then you wait, 
like sometimes the play works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it backfires and it just, you know, makes the person angrier. But because we tend to run a baseline of not building up a lot of resentment at each other. So we tend to have that kind of bandwidth. So the kind of advanced play I'm talking about to insert play into conflict has as a prerequisite the clearing of your own resentment in you know beforehand. Because if you're the type of relationship where you haven't talked about the stuff that's happened over the last 20 years and one of you tries to insert play, it may not go so well. <laughs> that's my caveat. <laughs> exactly. Then you get into what I affectionately refer to as the argument elevator where one person pushes one person's buttons and they get elevated and then they push the other person's button and then they get elevated and then they push back. And before you know it, you're on the 24th floor and nobody knows what started it. <laughs> totally, that is the best analogy, exactly. Well, and it's funny, this whole play in, in the <laughs> idea, I had to laugh because my mom and dad are in their late eighties, been married forever. And I said to dad, so what's new? And he goes, well, apparently I had a name change. I said, oh yeah, what's that? He goes, somebody, apparently I'm somebody now. <laughs> well, at least I'm somebody now, that's awesome. And I said, well, why are you now somebody? Like you weren't somebody before. And he goes, well, you know, somebody lost things in the house and somebody did this. And I'm pretty sure only two of us live here. So I'm thinking my name changed to somebody. <laughs> my mom's laughing going, well, you know, if you quit moving stuff on me. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Right? Like, that's yeah, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's that's, that's such a beautiful example. Exactly. So your your dad was able to just kind of have a sense of humor about it, but also poking at it, you know. <laughs> and she and so you know that sounds just delicious. Yeah, it was adorable. So, what are some of the stumbling blocks that uh, somebody might be having right now, and they're thinking, "Oh my God, Marie Elizabeth, I need you so badly right now." Well, they might be wondering why you know maybe they're trying to have a different conversation and it's not working mm -hmm. and they feel disconnected maybe the sex is not on and they don't know how to reconnect that um often there can be uh i'm doing so much of the work and mm -hmm. i don't know you know i gotta work i i'm the ceo over there and then i gotta do all the thing over here at home too and there's resentment about that and also not knowing how to ask for support or help in a way that doesn't come out either passive aggressive, resentful or whiny. <laughs> you know, I, I, I notice among the high powered women that I tend to work with, there's such a deep fear of being needy or whiny. And I know that's been true for me that that, that fear can sometimes translate to not asking enough at all mm -hmm. and, to, and taking it all on and then getting resentful about it. So that's something that could be happening. And there could just simply be this question of, you know, this, this relationship has just been going on automatic for a long time. Do I even wanna salvage it, right? Is it even worth trying to reconnect? I don't even know if I still know this person. Um, that, that could also be a question, you know, is it time for me to go out on my own? Wow, that's a tough question to be having. Really Absolutely. tough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's so, it's so hard to navigate, especially as we as we get on, as we get on in years. It, it just can be hard to navigate because 
our lives are so entwined with each other. Maybe there's children, maybe there's houses, maybe there's even businesses that you co-own. And, and to me, it's always worth, obviously, unless you're in an abusive relationship, right? It's always worth, if it's a disconnected relationship, it's always worth exploring, can this be reconnected before opting out? Because if you haven't overturned every stone, if you haven't tried something new and seen whether or not your, resp- your partner responds to that, mm-hmm. don't walk away. Don't walk away, you know, because you haven't done that piece yet. And, and the beauty of two people reconnecting who have loved each other, but if, who just slipped into bad habits or just slipped apart because life was busy or just, you know, it, are being shackled by their childhood wounding, whatever it is that's happening. The beauty of, of reconnecting through that and rediscovering one another is so rich and nourishing and worth going for. Nice. I love that. I used to tell my clients, you can, you can walk out, but you can't run out. So if you're running away from them, I guarantee you're going to find somebody that does that 10 times worse. (laughs) You won't see it at first, but it will happen. And then you'll realize, Hey, you're exactly like my ex. You just look a lot different. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So if you really want to, you know, resolve these things in you before you take it out on them. Well, that's, and exactly. And one of the, you know, we have this idea sometimes that we can resolve things on our own, mm-hmm. but the, our, our triggers and our stuff, it didn't happen in a vacuum. It happened in relationship to our parents, right? That's where they first began. <laughs> and, you know, then the schooling and the culture and all the different ways that conditioning has been put into our system. And so it doesn't, the unlearning doesn't happen on our own. I mean, we can do our own work to see ourselves, to learn self-awareness, to become more present to and able to be with our stuff. But without the mirror of the other person, it's so easy to think, oh yeah, I've got my act together. I'm doing great. And then, you know, they leave dishes in the sink and you go ballistic and it's like, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe, hmm. maybe <laughs> that might've been an overreaction. Yeah. I'm like, might have been a little much. <laughs> and, and so I really firmly believe in working our stuff out both in a self-awareness way with ourselves, but, but experimenting in relationship trying this, seeing what happens, trying that, seeing what happens. I see relationship as a practice ground or a playground or a research ground, whatever word you like for that. But it's really the place where we can see ourselves so clearly and make choices about new behaviors and ways to train our brain to respond that are different. That simply doesn't happen on our own. Nice. I love that. So how quickly do you think somebody could change the relationship or at least the dynamics of the relationship um, when they start to work with you and, and get their head in a different space? Well, my work is deep work. 
So for, for the full, you know, if you really want to overhaul the whole shebang, I like to work with people for a year. Nice. And that said, mm-hmm. in one session, if someone really takes in a new behavior, like really makes the shift and tries it, change can happen really quickly. It's not going to change the entire you know, foundation of the entire relationship. But I've had people who just got a thing mm-hmm. that we worked on and they went home and spoke differently to their spouse. And their oh spouse God. just opened like, wow. And they were like, what? That, what? Like, <laughs> that was oh, there the whole wow. time? Like, wow. Right. And so, yeah, I, I firmly believe that we can have change quickly if we're willing to let go of the old stories, to try something new, to have a research mindset. Kind of like when you're in your business, right? You try something. If it's not, if you know, you iterate, you're iterating, you're iterating constantly in your business. Why are we not iterating in our relationships? Why in our relationships does innovation go to die? I don't get it. Well, yeah, that is a great question. And and do you think it's because when we grow up and we see examples of relationships around us, we're like, oh, that's the way a relationship should be. It's that and not having great models. Most of us didn't have perfect models in our parents or even, you know, we grew up on this diet of romantic comedy where the movie ends when the people get together. We never get to see the junk that they go through (laughs) it's the happily every after syndrome you know like and we're not taught how to do it Mm. I mean think about it like every any business that you're doing you've learned skills how to do that you've had to learn sales you've had to learn marketing you've had to learn the thing that you're actually selling you've had to learn how to manage a team if you're you know at that level you've had to you know write an email whatever I mean there's just endless things we've had to learn and we most of us have never taken a class or or worked on how to relate to another human being in a way that's open and courageous and real and authentic and not dumping our junk all over them but but actually taking responsibility and being vulnerable and open with what's actually happening for us and receiving their vulnerability like most of us have never, we've never learned, maybe we've taken some listening or communication thing, but it's usually been for business, right? <laughs> and and it just, we just, it's a learnable skill that we just haven't tackled yet for many of us. Nice. So you had like 28 bombs in there and I'm like, oh man, I should really be writing notes right now. <laughs> when, when we have those, um, it was about connection versus the communication. That's what it was. And how do, we, how do you define the difference between communicating with somebody and connecting with somebody? Ah, that's a great question. Well, I believe communicate, I believe a lot of connection happens in communication, but not necessarily. So Connection to me is when you can feel each other and when you feel 
I mean, I don't know how to, when you feel connected, I don't know how to, I'm trying to figure out how to say that, <laughs> not by using the same word, uh, where there's resonance. And not that you have to be the same or think the same, but it's, it's if you've ever played a guitar, when you tune a guitar string and it's in tune, there's a, there's a harmonic that's like ding, that's super clear versus when a guitar string is out of tune, there's this wavering, you can hear it. There's like a knee in the, in the, between the strings. Relationship is similar where connection is when there's that bing, there's the resonance that you are in sync. Even if you believe different things, even if you want different things, but there's something that just connects you and that's in sync. And you can also feel when there's that wavering in the connection because it's it's either got interference on it or uh, there's charge, maybe there's emotional charge that you haven't expressed and you're trying to paper it over. Women, we're really bad about this. We're, we have charge, right? We're frustrated about something. And then we're talking over it and trying to be really nice. Oh, honey, would you take out the trash, please? And then there's this interference. There's this wavering between the words that we're saying and the energy that's underneath them that is dissonant to that. So that's a communication you're making, but it's not connected because it's not true because your energy is not aligned with the thing that you're saying. And so to me, where communication and connection line up is when how you feel and what you say are aligned. And you're also open to listening, right? There's a listening on both sides and there's an attunement of that kind. Was that nice. clear? Yes, absolutely. That was okay, fantastic. And, and I like the analogy because it's, it's, a, it's a great analogy in that, um, the metaphor is the same. So if there's interference there, it's, well, there's literally interference in life. There's too much energy in the guitar, there's literally too much energy in your life. So it, it translates um, directly. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I don't understand that one. That's great. So I know that our listeners are going to want more from you. So how would they begin their journey with you? Well, they can go to my website at relationshipalchemy.com. And I have a quiz there that's called, what's your relationship style? And I've identified four stages of consciousness we tend to be in around how we relate. And there, it's not linear. So it's not like, oh, if I get this one, I suck. And if this one, I'm great. You know, it's, we can be just like in all of life. On a good day, we're in one space. On a not so good day, we're in another. And so these stages uh, blend and work with each other. And you, in follow-up resources, you'll receive information about how to expand yourself into the next stage, like what is actually needed for the next phase of your expansion in terms of how you relate, all the way up to alchemy, which to me is the highest. Uh, you know, it's just, when you're an alchemist, you know what I call relationship alchemy, what I mean by relationship alchemy, is, uh, is you know how to work with the challenges, these heavy challenges of love that can feel like lead in such a way that, that they turn to gold, which means that you expand intimacy and connection through working with the challenges 
you turn it to gold, which is deeper intimacy and connection, instead of allowing them to drive you apart. And so take the quiz. Um, you can also connect with me on Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, my tag there is M-E-M-A-L-I-108. Uh, and on Facebook, it's M-E Mali Coach. So um, I'm sure all those will be printed hopefully somewhere. If not, you can find it all on my website. Just go to relationshipalchemy.com, keep it simple and uh, reach out. I'd love to love to connect with you. Thanks. Obviously, if you're driving peeps, you don't have to write it down. Just go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog and click in uh, Ray Elizabeth or relationships or whatever. Her info will come up, alchemy you'll find her. <laughs> so we will make sure that you connect. And of course, go scroll down in the show notes and you'll get all of the links as well. So that is awesome. So can you give us a sneak peek of what some of the, um, the traits we might find about ourselves? If in, we take, the, we take the Oh, if you take the quiz. Yeah. So the four stages are abdication, mm -hmm. awareness, agency, and alchemy. So in abdication, there's a tendency to blame others for your experience. And there's also a, a belief running that you have to suppress parts of yourself to be loved and accepted. And so the work to do there is to begin coming into um, more, more self-awareness. Here we go into the next, is to actually start to have permission for more of yourself to be seen and felt and heard. And in awareness, you, this is where a lot of coaches tend to work is in awareness and therapists as well. Like, you know, you know, what's operating, you know, your stuff, you know, and you have tools to work with it and you have, you know, here's the tools and here's the thing you say. And I teach some of that stuff too, but you can't stop there, you know, because in awareness, you still believe that there is something wrong with you that you have to fix. And there's something un palatable, whatever I'm trying to think of. I don't know what the word was I wanted to say, but there's something like not right mm -hmm. about you that you need to paper over with all these tools, right? right? And so for you, self-acceptance is what is going to bring you more into agency. Now in agency, you start to have real choice. You're in a process where you recognize like, oh, the old way of thinking is still firing, but I have this new path that I'm developing and you're practicing, you know, you maybe feel the old choice come up and you go, oh, there's that old choice and you make the new choice instead, right? And, and you're in, in this process of changing, actually making change, choosing the new, choosing the new over and over again. This is where you start to develop agency and real choice. And from shifting from agency into alchemy, in alchemy, so the shift, like in agency, it's still, I don't want to say it's hard, but it's still, you still have to work at it to make it happen, right? Mm -hmm. In alchemy, you recognize that life is play. Like there's a certain, we're here to learn, we're here to grow, that life, you, you take yourself less seriously. And I liken it to, uh, this was a client of mine actually, who is a chef. And the difference between abdication is 
when you walk into the kitchen and you realize you forgot to go to the store and you beat yourself up about it and you you're like oh my god there's nothing to make for dinner i suck i can't believe i forgot to go to the store awareness is like okay you know i forgot to go to the store but let me just see what's here maybe i you know i can figure something out in agency it's like let me call a friend invite them over to dinner and they can pick up the butter <laughs> on the way right you you get into agency in alchemy you might do all those things, but then you also can look in the cabinet and the fridge and magically out of nothing, create this incredible meal you never would have otherwise created had you had all the ingredients you wanted. So there's a way that the challenge activates your creativity. It activates your sense of adventure. That's alchemy where you can ride with what life throws at you with the dumb stuff your partner throws at you, whatever it is, you can ride with it in a way that's creative and playful and activates your, your zest for life. So that's, that's how I, that, those are the stages. I nice. love that. That is awesome. And I love the analogy too. And I'm going, oh, wow. So in alchemy, it's just, it's there in the fridge and your hubby went and picked it up anyway. So you didn't even have to make it. And I was like, hey, hey <laughs> amazing. <laughs> right. You know, so many solutions present themselves when you carry an alchemical view, when you're willing to be with what is mm -hmm. and, and play with it, you know, work with it that that's where all the magic begins. Absolutely. Nice. So I have to, we're almost at our hand, but I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? <laughs> uh, in 1992, when um, I, when I first, when I got out of college and I went to massage school um, and I worked for a, a First, I worked for another massage joint, and then I ran the massage program at this very amazing health club, super cool spot. And, and I realized, I, I just really, I realized at one point it was just time to go out on my own. And that went so well. I mean, I had celebrity clients. I worked on the top triathletes in the world. I was in San Diego at the time. And, and my practice just kind of filled itself. It, it was, like I said, I've always had this kind of magical flow with work. And I have never looked back. I actually have never worked for anyone else since 1992 when I went out on my own. And um, I, I, I think it's just how I'm wired. I, I don't know how I don't have anything to compare it to except those few years that I worked. I mean, I did work at a deli when I was 18 at the end of high school and made donuts or whatever. But but like, you know, real adult job stuff. Uh, it didn't take long. I mean, I was out on my own like two years after college and never looked back. Well, that is awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it immensely. Any last words for our peeps? Yeah, one of my favorite things to remind people is to stay curious. There's a way that in our businesses, we have our curiosity out. And I think sometimes we forget to do that in our relationships and our spouses can tend to look like the furniture after a while. And so I just invite you to stay curious, have an innovative, iterative, mindset with respect to your relationship and let it grow you. 
Nice. I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much again for your time, Maria Elizabeth. It's been awesome. And thank you, audience, for being here with us. This is Michelle Nedlock. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show, or if you have a question or topic you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I am all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support they need to make it in business. As such, I have Taking Your Business Digital Q&A every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Mountain. To register for that, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash digital. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L. I look forward to meeting you and actually finding out how you are. So see you on the flip side.